0: Welcome to the memoir, where host Bobby Goldie self reflects on the chapters of her life. She's persevered through cancer, depression, addiction, adoption, poverty, and abuse. These are just a few obstacles she's battled through and is sharing her struggles and successes as a reminder we are not broken. We are just human. Now, here's your host, Bobby Goldie. Recently, I was looking at my two precious little angels my children and right now they're about 8 years old and i'm looking at them in their eyes and i'm listening to them speak and they sound like little babies yet they are still little babies they're still learning they're still figuring things out they still need their mommy and daddy and It took me back, that moment when I was looking at them and listening to them, it took me back to my childhood. Like most parents, our goal is to always give our children a better life than we had, and that's my goal. I recall, I think I was well well before third grade, so I was, I believe I was six at the time. We lived on the south side at this time and before when i was in third grade i lived on the north side both uh, in milwaukee and both were in the uh, inner city the ghetto i was living on the south side at the time when we were living in these assisted living not not assisted living they were they were uh, like welfare apartments where the government paid a majority of your rent because you couldn't afford anything else or to pay full rent but they were brand new apartments and they were in the ghetto but they were nice oh my gosh i thought it was like when when my mom got into these i thought we were living in the lap of luxury it was pretty amazing and i remember this i had a group of friends they were hispanic kids it was a big family and they were so wonderful and they were only about three four blocks away from our apartment so I could go over there and I remember playing with them all the time and I remember their mom and grandma always making such amazing delicious food and homemade tortillas on this st- on the stove it was just so f- much fun being there and this one time mm-hmm. we were playing And I was had my hair in a ponytail and it was it was pretty long and I was swinging around in circles You know how kids do it where you get really really dizzy and you can't remember what you're doing. So I remember doing this and uh, as I was swinging around I felt something pull on the back of my head and I was like what the heck is that? And as I'm turning around it's still pulling and Hair starts falling and it's falling everywhere and there is the littlest guy with a giant pair of scissors that was giggling that thought it was funny to cut my hair as my ponytail was swinging up in the air at the moment it was not funny at all to me I started panicking and screaming and I was devastated and I kept telling everybody my mom my mom my mom is going to kill me she's going to kill me and and the kids start to calm me down and you know and their parents came in they said it would be okay so uh I had to go home so the the kids decided the best thing they could do was help me to like walk me home and and explain to my mother that it wasn't my fault. I did nothing wrong. It wasn't me. Their little brother was naughty, did it. And I had no clue and they were going to help me. So walking home, my heart is racing. I'm already crying my eyes out. And I remember going to the patio door for some reason. I don't remember why. And my mom opened the patio door and she looked at all of us and the kids started explaining everything. And before they could finish, she grabbed me by my hair and yanked me into the house and slammed the patio door shut. And I remember her yanking me and smashing my head against the wall like five times and yelling at me and telling me it was all my fault and I I did it on purpose and how could I not know that somebody was cutting my hair and, and, and I'm six. And then I remember her taking me by whatever was left of my ponytail and dragging me up the stairs, the carpeted stairs, and kicking me down the stairs and grabbing me by my head again and smashing my head against the wall. I don't don't, honestly, I don't remember anything after that. I don't know if I passed out. I don't know if she continued to do it. I don't know if I've just blocked the rest out. I just don't really know. But that's the kind of things I remember in my childhood. I also remember uh, one time, I think I was six or seven, because we were still living in that same apartment and we only lived there for three years, that uh, I got a detention for talking in the lunchroom and I was so afraid that I was going to get in trouble that I hid it from my mother because I knew I would get beaten again. Then I look back at this moment right now, thinking of my eight-year-old babies, and then I go back to them being... Six, six, they were so tiny. They were so little. They're just little human beings and I could never imagine putting my children through that. The funny part is when I think back as I got older in life to my mother and those moments where she physically abused me I try to remember, was she drinking at the time? But when you're really, really little, you can't really remember that. I just remember those vivid beatings that I got. But as I got older, I clearly remembered the beatings when she was drinking. So my assumption is she was drunk, or she was hung over or she was pissed off she didn't have any booze I don't know but I'm I'm pretty confident now that I look at everything on a go forward basis alcohol absolutely it's something to play in her physical altercations with me as I got older even middle school and high school the beatings never stopped or the way she responded to me didn't and never stopped there would be many a times where she would come home from being out at the bar all day, all night. She would say that the house wasn't clean, that it was still dusty, that, you know the, the rugs with the little tassels at the end, the little strings? She would, she'd be upset that the strings weren't straight on the ends of the rugs, and I'd get beaten the living crap out of. My mom wasn't even a big woman. She was like five, two. So I was starting to get bigger than her, but I would never lay a hand on her. She was my mother and I respected her. And I would just take the beatings. But then the beatings then started to lead to her kicking me out of the house. Yeah, it could be winter in Wisconsin. It could be below zero with lots of snow. I would be in my PJs. I just got my shit kicked in. She'd kick me out of the house, and I'd be on the street with no shoes, in my PJs, freaking out. I would have to go to somebody's house somewhere close and knock on their door and ask if I could call a friend to come get me and take me to their house for the night. And then, you know what happened after that? The craziest thing. Then she'd call the police on me in the morning when I wasn't there to say I was a runaway. And then the police would come looking for me. And then I tried to have to explain to them, no, my mother was drunk, she beat me up, she kicked me out. It took a while, but eventually the police got the thing. They figured it out, they knew I wasn't bullshitting anymore. And uh, this was a thing, and then when I'd get home with the police, the first few times it happened, I'd say to her, "You, you kicked me out, you beat me up, you see why I got all these black and blue marks on me, you beat me up. And then you kicked me out. I didn't run away. Look, I'm still in my PJs from last night. I wouldn't, wouldn't run away with it being in my PJs. And she'd look at me with this look in her eyes, this evil look, probably very hungover too. And she would say, don't you make me feel guilty. You know I can't remember that. That's not nice of you. Why would you do that to me? That's so awful and so mean of you. Don't you try to make me feel guilty. And I just sit there like a deer in the headlights, like what the hell's going on here? I didn't understand it. But after a few times I realized that, I didn't know if she remembered or not, but I realized that if I brought it up again, it was just gonna cause more friction. And if I didn't shut my mouth, I'd probably get my teeth kicked in. So um, I stopped saying that. And I just went with with the gig, you know, once a month, get your ass kicked in, get kicked out of your house, and then get the police called on you, because you're a runaway. As you can see, there's a theme here, and it's uh, alcohol. And I didn't realize until later in my, probably in my early 20s, that my mother was an alcoholic. She was a raging alcoholic, and she was probably for my entire life, and I didn't even know it. I just loved her unconditionally. It didn't even matter what she did to me. I just, I loved her and I wanted her to love me. And I, I tried my hardest to just accept it or accept her the way she was. As as I got older, some of the things that I would do is I, uh, well, first of all, she didn't let me go many places at all whatsoever, unless I was working, which I started working at a very young age. I started babysitting and had a newspaper out and all of those things, even though my mother never worked. Kind of funny like that. Um, But otherwise she'd never let me go anywhere. But then when I even started dating, I would never, ever, or even like certain friends that maybe wouldn't understand my situation, I'd never bring them around my, my, my mother or I would never even talk about my mother um, to anybody. I was so ashamed and so embarrassed. It was just a different life. And I I was trying to be everything my mother wasn't. So I, ca- I kept my personal life very separate from every everybody else that was outside of my inner circle. And as, as I got older, I still didn't figure out that she was an alcoholic. It's crazy how long it takes. So I'm in college. And I'm working full-time, going to school full-time, and I'm working at this really large law office. Oops, I take that back, it wasn't a law office. Um, I was done with that job. I was working at um, another large company. And uh, there was probably, I don't know, 200, 250 employees in this location. We're downtown Milwaukee in this amazing office building and there was a receptionist. And back in the day, uh, we didn't have voicemail, so if you called my phone number at my desk and I didn't answer, the call would bounce to the receptionist, and then the receptionist would ask them if they wanted to leave a message or if they wanted them to page me. And then they would page me if that's what they wanted. So I remember one day I was in, in the office and I was working away. Really loved my job. And I hear the receptionist page me. I must have been talking to somebody else in the office about an account or something. So I was away from my desk. And the receptionist um, pages me and uh, asks me to come to the front desk. So I was like, hmm, all right, that's unusual. So um, maybe somebody dropped off a package for me on an account or something. So I walk up to the receptionist desk And this older woman, she's probably in her, I don't know, 60s or 70s, sweet, sweet woman. She's looking at me with this weird look on her face. I don't know what it was, like she saw death or something. It was very unusual, because it just didn't fit her. And uh, she says, Bobby, I have somebody on the phone that says they're your mother, and that if I don't get a hold of you, she's gonna kill herself. And I just sat there and I was ashamed and I was angry, sad, and I'm trying to hold back the tears. So I tell her to transfer her to me and I go back to my desk and I told my mother to never call me again. And I and I told her if she called this number again, I would have the police come over to her house. And I hung up. And it's like, you know, 11 a.m. on a Wednesday. And my mom was bombed. She was shit faced. So drunk, she's calling me. Probably doesn't even know why she's calling me. She probably didn't even remember calling me. And then tells a perfect stranger that if she couldn't talk to me, she can kill herself. That was it for me. That was the moment in time where I realized my mother was an alcoholic, a raging alcoholic. And I also realized I I needed to get her out of my life. I couldn't do this anymore. So I stopped talking to her for a really, really long time. I called her the next day when I knew she'd be sober, before 11, got her like at seven. And I explained to her what happened. And I told her I didn't care if she remembered her. She didn't. But that behavior was unacceptable, and I didn't deserve it. And because of that, I, I was stopping our relationship. I could no longer do this anymore. And if she decided quitting the alcohol abuse completely, then I would reconsider. But until then, to never call me again because I had enough of her abuse, her verbal and physical abuse in my life. And I deserve better. And uh, that was it. Uh, Years went by where I did not talk to my mother. Even though I lived in the same city and I had aunts and uncles and cousins and sisters, I, I separated myself. I had holidays at my apartment on off days not the actual holidays because my mother was the person that always had all the holidays at her house but I had them on days that it wasn't uh the holidays and I'd invite my my extended family and so forth over and some would come and some wouldn't and nobody nobody ever said anything to me about it they all knew and I lived like that for a while and and was it hard? Yeah, because my family, including my immediate family, was very close. But I couldn't do it anymore. I didn't understand it. I didn't, I, I felt angry and upset with her and I just wanted her to quit. Like if she loved me, she would just quit. But, but she didn't, she, I know she kept drinking. People kept telling me. She didn't change. She was just her. And I was angry, she chose alcohol over me. And you know what was funny is all that time from the time I started working until that moment I was giving her money even when I was a little little girl like 11 and 12 working I gave my mother money I helped her to support her (laughs) that's funny right she's supposed to support me and here I am supporting her so I just completely cut her off emotionally uh, and financially and I even thought financially okay that'll be it She's going to need my money. She lives on welfare. She can hardly make it. She she kept choosing alcohol. It was the craziest thing. How selfish of her. How evil of her. I was her daughter. Didn't she do enough to me? Didn't she love me? How could she love alcohol more than me? But to me, she did. So it's why like I don't know I can't even remember it's crazy some of these memories I have and as I talk through them you some of you may wonder how do I not know how many years I didn't talk to my mother and I think part of the reason I lose my my thoughts and memories in dates and years is because historically years and and dates were awful to me, were miserable to me, so I don't put a lot of meaning into them. I think I just tried to block a lot of it out, so. And I don't know if they're really important in the grand scheme of things, honestly. Um, They don't change anything. If if I told you I was, you know, not talking to her for two years or six years, does it really matter? I wasn't talking to my mother, and it was horrible and awful, if it was two or six. Uh, So I digress. So anyways, out of the blue, I got a call from her. You know, she never called that whole time. So when she did call, I answered. And she asked if I could meet her. And she wanted to talk to me. So I did. I did. I talk. I, I met her. And uh, she proceeded to tell me. that she was very, very sorry for, for what she's done to me. And that I turned out to be an amazing human being and she doesn't get any credit for it. She doesn't deserve an ounce of credit. And that she was horrible to me. She was awful to me. And she apologized for all of the, she didn't get into all the details. Probably because she can't remember them all. Um, but she didn't get into all the details. But she said she you knows she did a lot of really, really awful things to me. And she understands if I never want to speak to her again. But she wanted to apologize and tell me how great I was and how I didn't deserve it all and she also proceeded to tell me that or ask me if I could give her another chance and and I knew she was still drinking so I just sat there and I can't even you know my mother here I am in my 20s my mother never ever apologized to me ever So I was sitting there and I was like, what? I thought I was like living in the twilight zone or something. I was like, what the hell is happening? She's apologizing to me. So I sat there knowing she's still drinking, but knowing she's, she's sitting here in front of me sober and she's apologizing. And you could tell tears are running down her eyes and she meant it. So I decided to take a chance. I gave her a hug, and we hugged for a long time, and we cried, and I told her that I absolutely love her, and that I never stopped loving her, and that I'm willing to give her a chance. However, there's gotta be rules. The rules are, she will not take a drink in front of me, ever, she will not be around me if she's had a drink. She will not call me when she's drinking, she will, she will not call me if she's drunk, period. And that she is going to treat me with the the respect and give me the love I deserve. And she cried and she was, she agreed. She said, absolutely, I will, I promise you. I will do those things, Bobby. You deserve those things. So, so that was how we got back on track. And for, for several years, it was great. She, she stuck to those rules and she was, she was good by them. And I was happy to have her back in my life and we were slowly repairing things. And then as the years progressed, something very weird was happening in my family, including my extended family. We were all very close, like I continue to say. And with my mother is there were certain times my interaction with my family was limited or with my mom. And I started to realize that it was because of her alcohol. She would have get-togethers or picnics at her house And I wouldn't be invited to them. I wouldn't even know about them. Everybody kept them really quiet. But because she wanted to keep her promise to me. She couldn't change herself. That was who she was. She was an alcoholic. But she loved me enough to respect the rules. And as time went on, this was really starting to bother me. That my mother and my family acted different around me. And I wouldn't even doubt if many of my family members, um, because of what went through with my mother, were starting to think that I was judging them as well. So I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision. Do I accept my mother for who she is? Flaws, alcoholism and all? Or do I just walk away? Because this was not healthy. This was good. And we she was making great strides with me and I was with her and I loved her but I didn't feel like I got the real her and I didn't get the real family. We're all human, right? You know, none of us are perfect. And I started to realize, and as I talked to people that, you know, this alcoholism is a disease and it's it's very hard to beat, especially when you lived with it your whole life. And your parents, her parents were alcoholics. So how could I expect her to change? So I had to just decide, do I accept her and my family just the way they are or do I move on? And I love, love my family. Every single one of them. They're amazing, thoughtful, caring, loving, compassionate, funny, smart, kind people. And they have flaws and so do I. But their flaws have made them the people they are today and including my mother. And again, you know, when all you're around is this crazy world you live in, you don't even know any different. So I talked to my mother and I told her, you know what, mom? You don't need to do that anymore. You don't need to hide this drinking from me anymore. I want you to be yourself. Except, can I change the conditions a little bit? If you're getting angry drunk, I don't want to be around it. Or if you're really, really drunk and you're just drunk dialing, don't drunk dial me. But otherwise, I want to be at your picnics and your barbecues. And I want to be at your parties. And I want to be with the family. And I want everybody to have fun and laugh and be who they are. And not feel like they have have to have a wall up when I'm around. Including you. Another breakthrough. That was... That was actually the turning point in our relationship. She could be her. She could be her loving, caring, considerate woman that would give the shirt off her back to anybody. And uh, I'll talk more about my mom and about her relationship. But what, what I really realized is that if somebody's an alcoholic and you want them to change, and you want them to change for you, they're not going to. They have to want to change and sometimes if you want a relationship with them, maybe a friend or a spouse or a family member, you have to look at yourself and inside yourself and decide, do you want to be with an addict or an alcoholic or not? Those are the two choices. That's it. There's no other choices. Because even if you're dealing with an addict or an alcoholic that hasn't used for a while, it doesn't get rid of the disease. The disease is always there. It doesn't go away. There is no cure. So you need to be prepared that your life is going to be different, even if they're clean. Your life's going to be different. There's going to be different rules and, and triggers and situations that you have to deal with. And, and if you like to drink, you, you have to manage that in the relationship. And you also have to think about that there could be a relapse. There could be multiple relapses. That's just natural. And then then if you're dealing with somebody like my mother that doesn't want to change, that is accepting of themselves and their disease just the way they are you're gonna have to deal with all that comes with it and you're gonna have to decide what your boundaries are and what you can live with and what you can't but what you don't get to choose is them not being an alcoholic that doesn't go away so I chose that and I I have to admit that was the best decision I have ever made when it comes to my mother Now, would I make that decision with other people in my life? Uh, Maybe a, a spouse or a friend or another relative? Maybe not. Because every situation is completely different. But for me... And my relationship with my mother, that was absolutely the right situation in my life. And I don't regret it and I don't look back. And I I think I needed those times away from her and the baby steps back into her life to realize that that was the right step. You know, addiction is a crazy, crazy little thing. And again, there's no right answer, wrong answer. And again, the disease doesn't go away. But we all get choices. My choice was to to continue the relationship with my mother, my loving mother. So I don't even know how to end this thing, right? This is tough because it's a long, crazy story. And my words of wisdom, I think, are, are what I've ended with. And actually, I'm exhausted and I'm on the verge of tears because that was a lot to bring up. So with that, thanks again for listening. I hope your day is filled with lots of joy and lots of memories. And as I always say, be a better person than you were yesterday. Thanks for listening to The Memoir. Let's work to remove the stigma of taboo topics. We only have on average 30,000 days on this earth. So let's make the best of our remaining days together. Get in touch with Bobby Goldie at B-O-B-B-I-E G-O-L-D-I-E dot com and share your story.